Hi, I'm Lee Gerstman, and I'm no longer banned from this podcast. I use my hand on Ralph and my mouth on Ian, and that's why I'm back. So deal with it, bitches. Here they are. Dr. Fuck and Wadzilla. I still think they're fucking assholes. The bosses are back. <laughs> it's Dr. Fuck and with me is... Oh, yeah! Yeah, I told Alcohola. Wadzilla, baby. How you doing, Ralph? I'm doing great, bro. This is the first episode in my new house. Yes. My, my new old house. I moved back to my childhood home. A lot of people are like, how did you get to buy your childhood home? But that's not what happened. My, my parents have been renting this place ever since we moved out in 1984. I've not stepped in a foot in this house in 37 years. I think, I don't know, my math sucks. But since 1984. And it's a little surreal, dude. And yeah, I've been having a lot of problems uh, with the internet, but now I'm hooked up. I'm ready to go. How you doing? doing good man i'm getting over a little stomach bug but now i'm good got some beers in me ready to go i know people were probably <laughs> you know freaking out like we do the you know comeback episodes and then they don't hear anything and i know we said we're gonna you know not do it every week like we did but maybe every other week but between you moving me being sick and having some guests here and stuff you know it was a little delayed for this episode but there's nothing to worry about we are fully back and, uh, yeah, everybody, everybody out there, get out of your fetal position. Yeah, <laughs> take your thumb out your mouth. We got iTunes reviews, Ralph. We do. Yeah, right multiple on. iTunes reviews. Oh, oh, multiple. All right, let's hear it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, this first one is a five-star review from Veronica One Nine Five. Yeah, One Nine Five. That means she was born. In 1905. <laughs> and this is entitled, Wadzilla is Amazing. Hell yeah. <laughs> she says, and I quote, I love this podcast, and I don't even particularly like metal music, but I thoroughly enjoy the banter between Ian and Ralph, and the podcast has even opened my mind to new bands and music. I am definitely a fan of this show. So entertaining. I often find myself laughing out loud while listening. I'd give this 10 stars if I could. Nice. Is that your old lady? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know what gave it away, the title, or she didn't know to put Ralph before Ian. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a combination of both. <laughs> well, you've been telling me uh, yes. she's been listening to the show, and it kind of sounds like what you've been telling me over the phone. Yeah. You know? Uh, and you know, yeah, it, it's it's funny because you moved into your childhood home, and so so have I, because <laughs> I am back with my ex-wife. Um, I have been since September, and uh, well, pre- well, technically October, but uh, I'm back with my son's mother, and and we're doing amazing, and she has fallen in love with the show, and. Uh, you know, she started listening to episodes and really got into it. You know, and metal's not her thing. 
but she really likes it, and uh, so she went back to the beginning, and has been listening to every episode. And she just called me the other day. We just got off the phone, and she went back to listening to our hundredth episode, our our best of. And she called me back crying, laughing uh, when I told Terrence, you know, people want to hear somebody with hair, so he had to get a wig. So <laughs> she, she gets the show, even though you know metal isn't her her main thing. But she says, "Man, I, I really like some of the stuff I heard," and uh, so I, I couldn't be more happier. And I'm glad she likes the show, and, and she's going to be the lady that's going to be handling our merch. So look for the beginning of June uh, for merch to be available, and I want to thank her for that and all the work she's done. Yeah, uh, thank you. And yeah, so 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 we both moved back home. <laughs> feels feels good. <laughs> what that place above the bar? That's where you were with her before? Oh no 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 we we started dating in high school back in Illinois back oh. a little south of Chicago but no oh. she's she, she's moving to my place above the bar and, okay. uh, and oh wait wait till you come back here man it looks so different from when you were here oh man I like redid the whole thing super nice man you got to come back and visit yeah oh when you come here you'll see my place is totally different too oh yeah I know oh well, well, right on, on, man. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that she, your guys are back, and I'm glad that she digs the show, man. Oh hell yeah! Right on. All right. Well, we have a, another review that that's not as biased, <laughs> and this one is another five star from Addison P. Addison this P. This one's titled "A Podcast That Makes You Want to Listen to the Music." Addison hey. P. <laughs> that don't sound good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they gotta listen to the song. They just talk about the song. That's what he's saying. That's what he's implying. I, I think they meant it in a good way. But Edison okay. uh, P says, and I quote: "Longtime listener, first time reviewer. I've been listening to the Rock and Metal Combat podcast since 2015, and it remains in my top three all-time favorite podcasts. Wadzilla yeah. and Doctor Fuck have chemistry you won't find anywhere else." Their back-and-forth banter is the perfect balance of comedy and music-listening passion. My uh, favorite episode is Top 20 Police Songs because you cannot, uh, you could not be inspired to listen to the band after. You could, you can't not be inspired to listen to the band afterwards. I often go back and re-listen to episodes for inspiration and laughs. Hold on, I gotta extend this long one. The Oh My God Kiss episodes are like comfort food for the ear. Favorite guest ever, Bill Wang. Five stars. Yeah, bam, bam, bam. All right, all right, all right. And check out the RMCP Facebook page while you're at it. Well, thank you, Addison. That's awesome, man. Long-time listener and and finally leaving us a review. I appreciate that. Yeah, I really do appreciate it. And Ian, let that be a lesson to us, what he just said. We're in his top three. So we need to pick up our game and take over from uh, Freeform Rock Podcast and Terrence Reardon and friends. We got to be yeah, his number one. Yeah, we got to find out who those other two are and kick the shit out of them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, those, and that's some stiff competition there. <laughs> Speaking of stiffs, oh my God. We, we got another one um, <laughs> from good old Mr. Andrew Jacobs. And since our you, last wait, 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 wait. 
didn't you explain, I think, on the last episode, that when you leave an iTunes review, you can only leave one, so what he keeps doing is just changing it over and over, right? Yes, yeah, you can't leave okay. multiple ones, I, I guess, unless you have, like, multiple accounts. But uh, what he does is, like, every week, uh, he changes it. So this is, like, the fourth or fifth one since we last recorded. And what's funny, there was some real racist shit against you. And, and, and then, then he, like, took out the racist shit, but then basically said the same thing and, and, and redid it. And now this one, oh, God, this, this is so great. It's, uh, of course, one star, because that's all he can afford, because he doesn't work. Uh, it says, three sides of the coin called. And he says, and they want their bots back. Oh, oh, my. oh. oh. That's, you know, this guy, this is probably, this is probably his, like, 27th review, because he keeps saying, <laughs> you know what one I'd really like to hear is, I listen to your show all the time at work. I've never heard that one, you know? <laughs> that, that would be great. That'd be, get a fucking job, you piece of shit. <laughs> that bit. You know, in fact, I'm not even going to read your reviews anymore because I know you like the attention. Yeah, of but course, I, man. He I, lives for this shit. I, I will. Yeah, yeah, because it's not like he's at work. He just sits on the fucking computer all day. And it's so, also, it's not like he has friends. and he, It's not like he has anybody that talks about him. So oh. this is his way to get anybody to talk about him because you can tell the guy is not fun to hang out with, has no friends, and has some weird shit on his face. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and my, my favorite part, I think it was Rockin' Pod 2, uh, when his his other hero, besides me, because I'm his fucking hero. Oh, yeah. You're, you're uh, his, his number one idol. Oh, yeah. Well, it goes back, it always went back and forth between Inappropriate Earl. And Inappropriate Earl was at Rockin' Pod 2. And when we were talking about him at the comedy club, and he was just laughing at this guy. Like, yeah, 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 he's a fucking loser, but he promotes the show. I remember that. That's right. I totally forgot oh. about that. Yeah, it's some guy. Yeah, he was, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, inappropriate Earl. Um, yeah. He told and us. It, he, he, yeah. he actually told us. This guy sucks, but hey, listen to my show, so I keep my mouth shut. But you know what it is when, you know, you're a fan of a show and the, the host thinks you're a fucking twat? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. How low is that? You know? <laughs> And, and it was so funny because we took the picture together and, you know, like, Earl knew what I was doing and he made the face and I posted it and I, and I said, hey, Andrew, check it out. He's like, yeah, he's making that face because you smell so bad. <laughs> like, yeah, good one. Good burn. You think, burn. you think he goes next door to his seven-year-old neighbor saying, can you write an insult for me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you 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 smell Ian burns <laughs> oh shit well here is an extra hold on I gotta look this motherfucker up this is a uh, very nice we have a, a longtime listener who uh let me find it. Uh, he's from Puerto Rico and left a iTunes review for us on, you know, Puerto Rican iTunes. But since they're not a state yet, you know, we can't see it on our iTunes. But he was kind of, 
he was kind enough to send it to me, and this is Jonathan Disney. And he left us a five-star review, and he says, and I quote, I, I don't know what the title of the review is. He didn't put that in here, but he sent me the rest. He said, I started listening to you guys when I was 17, and I gotta say, ever since episode 178 on Death Leopard Shitsteria, I've been a fan of your podcast ever since. I always listen to you guys all week. I never miss an episode. You two inspired me to do my own podcast, the Headbangers Lounge Podcast, which is in its third episode as of the day I'm typing this review. I never get sick of hearing you two either praise great albums like Dynasty or goofing on a shitty album like Look What the Cat Dragged In. I hope you two have great success with the podcast in the future and keep on rocking forward into the future. Schmackamagob. Yeah. yeah. All right. Viva Puerto Rico. Yes. That's awesome, dude. A fellow spick. But we're from different countries. <laughs> I'm Got sorry. a little PS. Okay. He says, PS, I also agree with Ralph on the song Armageddon. It, it should have been called Arms Are Getting It. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say that? I got to go listen to that one again. That's a good one. I'm funny. <laughs> you know, uh, this this guy, um, Disney, I don't know if you saw this, but he did a, a little edit of Def Leppard Hysteria. and he Oh, it was it. hilarious. I, I think I listened to that ten times over. I did too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that's, what, that's what's great because bots can't do that. Only real <laughs> fans and real listeners. And Andrew, you should look into bots, man. I mean, at least they'll like you unconditionally. <laughs> yeah. Program exactly. them. Program yeah. them to make you think you're not a douche. <laughs> yeah. You might have to get another stimulus check to a, to afford a bot, though, on uh, unemployment. That is true. <laughs> He's probably going to end up fucking a go-bot. <laughs> Johnny Five. <laughs> It'll be a male robot. Yeah, and it'll leave you for a fucking toaster, you piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, that, your bot and your toaster, you know what they're going to do? The Kansas City hot plate. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Something you'll never know. Well, neither do no. I. But it's awesome, whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> you got to love it. Even Terrence knows when to go hide in his fucking hole, but, but Jacob's not so much. I mean, how can Terrence hide in his hole? That's where he lives. I mean... <laughs> Go to your room, okay, dude. Like, 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 if they were ever ma to make a movie called The Shut In, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Terrence's room—that's the set. Hollywood cannot recreate a, sh a shut in more than Terrence's room. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. Look how it is. It's like I don't even think it has a window, or it's covered up with a fucking mattress or something, you know. <laughs> oh my god! It, it it sounds like a horror movie where somebody gets a Genesis CD in the mail and they play it, and then, and then Terrence comes out of the CD player. <laughs> oh yeah, like like trick or treat. <laughs> That'd be fucked up. He comes out of and plays that drum solo. <laughs> yeah, just as long as those drums in front of him. You saw a video of him actually playing the drums, like electronic. Oh my god. Oh sound my, like yeah. somebody sounded like somebody playing basketball. <laughs> yeah, dribbling with one hand. Yeah, like the Harlem Globetrotter shuffle. 
<laughs> oh, shit. Oh, well, I want to thank everybody uh, for those iTunes reviews, man. Yeah, keep them so coming, and, and we will keep reading them. Well, before we get into the news, uh, there's a couple people... Uh, that I'd like to talk about and a couple people I'd like to, you know, dedicate this episode to because they're going through some hard times. Uh, the first one is the one and only Rockin' Ron Runyon. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ron, unfortunately, has been diagnosed with cancer and he, he just had surgery and it's, uh, you know, it's serious, but, you know, if anybody can beat it, it's Rock and Ron. I mean, hell, he beat those fucking John Bonet Ramsey murder charges. <laughs> Cancer, cancer's nothing. Yeah. Uh, but I do want to send out, you know, our, our love for Rock and Ron. He is one of the nicest guys in the fucking world. Yeah, he's and awesome. He's a oh, ball we, buster, though. You got to love that about him. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, we bust is pretty good, too. But it, yeah. yeah, Ron and, rules, man. The best and about. While we're at it, one of our own family, fucking Mick Watkins. Oh, shit. I couldn't believe it. I just saw this. I haven't been on, on Facebook the uh, last couple days. And I get on there today and I see all these people like, oh, poor Mick. I'm like, oh, oh, what? Did he listen to Motley Crue again? Is he okay? Uh, so apparently, uh, his band Wildside was doing very well. Wild Ride. God damn it, I always fuck that shit up. Wild Stallions, whatever the fuck they are. I'm starting a band called Wild Stuff. <laughs> yeah, that'd be some weird, wacky stuff. Uh, <laughs> That's the name of the album. Wild Stuff with weird and wacky stuff. hi uh, <laughs> Anyway, their bass player, Mick Watkins, our very own Mick Watkins, uh, they're playing a gig... And who's trying to get backstage but Mrs. Jacobs? <laughs> so, so fucking security gets her because word's out, man. She'll burn all y'all, man. She's got, you know, she's got that fever down there and shit. So they're throwing her out there. But she saw Mick. Mick was already on stage. And he's fucking playing bass. And he's fucking, you know, he's, he's shifting and making the faces. So her dick was already hard. And when they grabbed her and tried to throw her out, her fucking cock hit the lighting rig. And it fell over. And broke fucking Mick Watkins. I believe fractured his ankle yeah. in, in three spots. And it hit their guitar player, Tommy, in the face. And he's got a big old gash. I mean, not as big as Mrs. Jacobs, but I mean, he's got a big old gash oh. uh, on, on, a, on, a, on his head or his face. Uh, but luckily everybody, you know, nobody died, uh, you know, but man, I'll tell you what, as, as somebody who broke their ankle before, uh, yeah, I know what he's in for, man. I was out for two months and that's what they're saying. You know, Mick's going to be, you know, incapacitated for two months. Uh, but the show must go on because I guess the guitar player, Tommy, he just needs some fucking back teen and some stitches and, uh, they're going to go ahead and replace Mick. Uh, you know, Mick wanted to get Nikki Six, but apparently, uh, in Wild Ride songs, there's a lot of bass, so they couldn't <laughs> use Nikki Six. Uh, but Bobby Dahl is filling <laughs> in, so if you go see Wild Ride now, uh, you're gonna see Bobby Dahl, but yeah, he still does that stupid, you know, kick backwards dance and shit, you know, and plays the Pink Panther theme song, so you know, you, you got a whole new, uh, 
you know, a whole new uh, bass solo for Wild Ride. But we want to, we, we want to, you know, wish Mick the best, brother. Yeah. We're glad you're okay. And Tommy, we hope you're okay too. More so, Mick, because I don't think Tommy's on our Facebook page. I don't know if he listens to podcasts, so you know, fuck you. But Mick, Mick loves us. You know. Yeah, yeah, Mick's a great guy, and also check out his uh, YouTube channel. He's got this thing called uh, Radical Rock Review, Radical Rock and Reviews, where he reviews <laughs> albums and he he does like you know unboxings and shit. It's pretty. Pretty entertaining dude. Check out his YouTube page. That's some wild, wacky stuff. That's some wild, wacky stuff. <laughs> and uh, I hope Mick doesn't get mad that Bobby Dahl told the band, listen, we have to play Wild Ride the Wind. Oh. <laughs> Ouch. Oh, man. Oh. But, uh, yeah, you fuckers all get well, goddammit. Yeah, we, yeah, no, and I heard also that one of his band members, like, you know, fractured his neck. I mean, some serious shit, man. You know, because this whole stage fell on them, and, uh, man, if, I, hey, if that stage was not built by Wild Ride, I'd smell a lawsuit, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm, I would sue uh, Piggy Jacob's dick for knocking that shit over, man. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, with that out of the way, let's get to the news, shall we? All right. What's up with the news? All right. Well, here's a new spin on an old fucking story. K.K. Downey now believes his exit from Judas Priest was orchestrated. And what? he feels, yeah, and he doesn't feel as if as if he left the band. Uh, but he, he was did. saying. If you remember, around the time he left is when uh, Priest was doing that Epitaph tour. It was supposed to be a farewell tour. Yeah. And apparently he had second thoughts about it. And he called bassist Ian Hill and said, uh, you know, you know what? If this is going to be our last tour, fuck it. You know, send me the set list so I can, you know, work on the songs and stuff. And he said the very next day it was announced that he had quit but that Judas Priest had announced that he quit, you know, that he didn't. So he feels like behind the scenes, they were, you know, pushing for him to get out. And he says he didn't mention it in his book, but he's mentioning it now. Uh, yeah, what he mentioned in his book was he was pissed off about an EP they were going to do. And that's part of the reason he left. Cause not the tour, but the EP. So I don't get this. Either way, you know, he... I love KK and he could be telling the truth because, you know, it could have been orchestrated, you know, for him to be out. Because honestly, man, he's never really had a lot of respect by Glenn Tipton. And, and then, you, you know, when Rob left, I mean, Glenn Tipton pretty much took over the band. <clears throat> so I don't I think like ever since, like, you know, after Painkiller, he's kind of like been downgraded as a member, I feel, till he left. And unfortunately, we lost John, is it Hench? Is that how yeah, you pronounce Hinch. it? Hinch. Hinch. Yeah, John Hinch passed away, who was the drummer on Rockarola. And um, I never knew too much about why he left before. But uh, what's funny is, is, is reading the story on Blabbermouth, they're saying it had to do with personality differences and some business differences uh, that were prim primarily with Glenn. So that's so, wild because Glenn is brand new in the band at the time. 
Yeah, but I guess he joined you right before rock and roll. Right. So, but I guess, I, I guess Glenn rubs a lot of people the wrong way. Uh, not trying to, you know, I, lo- I love Glenn, but maybe you, you start to see a pattern here. Now, didn't you say Glenn was a little off when you met him? Oh, yeah, he rubbed me the wrong way, trust me. <laughs> um, yeah, man, KK, Ripper, there's a Ripper, a demolition tour. Scott Travis, well, Scott Travis was a little interested in, in uh, the girl I was with, but it wasn't a girlfriend, <laughs> so it would have been cool. Ah, oh, shit, if it was a girlfriend, it would have been cool, too. I'm yeah, but, he wouldn't have kicked either way. <laughs> yeah, but um, he was cool though. He was just more interested in the chick I was hanging out with. Ian was cool. KK was the coolest. But Ripper's awesome. I met Ripper even recently. He's an awesome guy. Um, <clears throat> Glenn, he was sitting down and he looked tired. And I understand. And I walked up to him. Hey, Glenn, can I get a picture? And he was like, oh, okay, like you know. And I was like, geez, okay, you know. And he took a picture with him, but. Hey, maybe he was having a bad day, but I also know a guy that met him on a turbo tour that said he was a dick, so I don't know. But the show me and you were at, he yeah. came out later to say hi to all the fans, and we already left. Yeah. Of, yeah, and I was like, fuck, so I'm sure he's a nice guy. I just caught him on a bad day. As far as working relationship, how the fuck would I know? It's, yeah. it's his word against uh, KK's word, so whatever. Jury's out for me. All right, well, more bad news. Uh, Zach Wilde isn't involved in the making of Ozzy's new studio album. Well, even uh, if he was, it's still going to suck. I'm yeah. sorry, I've given up. After that last album, I'm like, there's no way, no way in hell Ozzy will ever come back. That's it. He's gone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's an interesting thing. I, I, I think we were on our hiatus when that came out. Uh, yeah, what what'd you think of that ordinary man? Whew. Man, it's the worst piece of crap Ozzy's ever released. It is so bad. There's nothing redeeming about it. It just gets, it's it's a real tough listen. Yeah, there's some people out there like it. I get it. But man, for me being an, you know, I, I worship Ozzy, man. He's a singer of my favorite band. And you know, I love that solo shit. Shit, I even like Scream. But yeah, I didn't like, you know, like Osmosis and, you know, a couple after that. But, but. Man, this one was like, forget it, man. That's it. I'm, you know, it's not only, you know, I've been, I've been suffering even with Scream with the, with the production of Ozzy's voice. I hate it. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, oh, Paul Stanley's Soul Station, his voice is auto-tuned. Yeah, I'm sure it is. The guy can't sing that good anymore, but it's not that noticeable. Holy shit, man. Ozzy's is so noticeable. All that shit they've been doing his voice since like down to earth or whatever is before that you know yeah i can't stand the way ozzy sings now it just drives me nuts it sounds so robotic and, and non-natural not like you know all right now you know that that organic nature ozzy had in his voice because you know we all know he's not technically a great singer but who gives a fuck he's better than right. technically great singer in his prime you know right but yeah, it's sad to see. He says he already has 15 tracks uh, for this next album. And, and I bet you they'll, they'll all get put on that motherfucker, too. Oh, my God. I, I, I think it's time to, to stop hating Bob Daisley and bring him back. <laughs> oh, God. If they brought Bob back, that would be the wisest move they can do. All of Ozzy's best music Bob wrote. You know, I mean, 
I, I'm, I'm not one of these people like, ah, you know, like, cause you know me, I bash Bob a lot. Yeah. But, but, you know, he, Ozzy contributed more than Bob says, but still, Ozzy and Bob, that's a great combo right there, you know? Yeah, bring him back at, or, and, and Jakey e. Lee or Zach and, you know, something. Jesus Christ. Yeah, Jakey e. Lee would he, I would, I would want Jake back more than fucking Zach. Yeah. I would, I would, I would love to see Jake back, but. Fuck yeah, make, a, make a dark, a Bark of the Moon type album? Forget it. But now, now uh, you know, the last one had Post Malone. Now he's going to have that, what's that eyebrow girl? Now he's going to have her on there, I bet. <laughs> oh, uh. Eyelash. I, Billy Eyelash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Could, could be. Yeah, she's not. Uh, so, Udo Dirk Schneider has put out a song with, uh. Peter Baltus and Stephen Kaufman. And now he's almost doing something that's more accept than accept as far as, uh, you know, members go. Uh, but I, I didn't think too much of the song. Did you check it out at all? No, I didn't, but it reminds me of what somebody just wrote the other day. It might have been a link. Somebody posted a picture of Udo, and some guy left a comment going, Udo's still around? And I'm like, you know what, man? Just, just, you know, just stop talking to metal people. <laughs> and that's one thing you got to give Udo, no matter what. Udo has never stopped working. Udo kicks ass, man. Th this guy is always putting out album after album, and he's never really had a down period. Um, but I gotta say, man, I, I really like these these newer Accept albums with uh, Mark Chinello. Yeah, uh, I do too. Yeah, I, I, I like them. I, I still don't think they top um, the first one, but they're all good albums. Oh, yeah. Floor yeah, of the Nations no, no. to me is the best one out of all of them. Oh, by, by far. Here's something that uh, <laughs> that will excite our, our former co-host, Terrence. Genesis announced the last Domino Fall 2021 North American Tour. And I think it's only like 12 dates. Uh but did you see the uh, rehearsal footage of this tour? Really, Ian? You think I'd watch that shit? Probably not. No. But anyway, uh, so they're going through some songs, but Phil Collins, who looks very rough these days, is sitting in a chair doing everything. Oh, he's and... been doing that for a while. I saw like a solo show of his, like a clip of that, and he's sitting in the chair during the show. He's all wow. fucked up. Yeah, yeah, he's got some issues. All right, well, Motorhead, well, whoever handles the estate of Motorhead, is uh, releasing a 40th anniversary uh, edition of No Sleep to Hammersmith. But, uh, man, I, you know, you can never get enough Motorhead. And, uh, you know, you've been seeing all these great remasters and special editions, like of the Black Sabbath stuff. Uh, did you get the Volume 4? Oh right. man, is that ever awesome? That volume four one. Oh yeah, and I just I, I just ordered the sabotage one. Awesome. I didn't get the uh, the physical copy of volume four, but uh, but Doctor X got it for me and uh, Mister X, and uh, it sounds amazing. I find it curious though that they skipped uh, Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. Well, I think this is what I well it's just wishful thinking. I'm hoping they're not going in chronological order. 
You know, right. there was no. Was there one for one or Master of Reality? I don't know. I know uh, there was a Paranoid one, Volume Four, and now yeah, seven. yeah. And I, I tell you what, what I'm really hoping for, and this this sabotage looks awesome, by the way. But and, <clears throat> I gotta say about the um, Volume Four one. Um, I thought it was going to be live at last because it's the live at last uh, set list and live right. at last was on the volume four tour, even though they did play killing uh, yourself to live was an early version of it, but right. it, it, it isn't, it's a different show. Some parts are from live at last. Some parts aren't at all. And I was yeah. like, this is amazing. You know, cause I thought it was going to get live at last again with, you know, volume four. And I love the outtake dude and that hardcover book. Forget it. That shit's awesome. I love and Volume Four is my favorite, my favorite album from my favorite band. You know, yeah. so you know, you know, I got extremely excited about this. And Sabotage ain't that far behind Volume Four, so. And no, I, I know since we've been doing the show, you've gone back and forth between Sabotage and Volume Four. And Sabotage, Sabotage so, at times, you know, but, yeah. but um, I think also because there's a very popular show out there, uh, Bootleg. Of the sabotage show from New Jersey. Yeah, and, I got. It. Yeah, here it says you know it's from the U.S. It doesn't necessarily say New Jersey, so I'm hoping it's a different show as well. And for I, I forgot who it was. Somebody wrote goes, yeah, that Jersey show's on Past Lives. No, it's not. It's like three, four songs are on Past Lives, not right. the whole show, you know. And this yeah. has that full set list. I, I didn't really analyze it to see if it was the same set list as. Um, New Jersey, but I did see Megalomania in there, and and, and it'd be cool, like, you know, hear a different live version of Megalomania, because in the, the Jersey version, Ozzy sounds a little rough. <laughs> I like to yeah. hear a better performance of him doing that song. And, uh, you know, another thing I know some people want, and, you know, I'll definitely get it from Mr. X, but uh, Tony Iommi has said that, you know, they are working on the... Uh, the Tony Martin era is, is going to be a, a box set. That, that's amazing because, you know, what I would really be curious is, it, is it going to have tire? Is it going to have headless cross? Is it going to have cross purpose? Yeah. Because EMI and, and Forbidden 2 was on cross purpose. Uh, was well, on EMI. Uh, IBM. Uh, whatever. No, no, they were on IRS. 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 There yeah. EMI. And, and E-M-I. Goodbye, IRS. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll be curious to see, too, if that includes uh, Eternal Idol, which was originally released on Warner Brothers. Yeah. So I, I don't know if it's going to be that or if it's just going to be the IRS albums, which is Headless Cross through Forbidden. Uh, but, yeah, that'll be coming soon. But, yeah, what I'm talking about here, though, is the Motorhead and... Uh, you know, I, I picked that, you know, way back when. I mean, fuck, probably 2015, I think, when we did our best live albums. I picked uh, No Sleep to Hammersmith. As That's long my as favorite it's... Motorhead right there, man. No Sleep to Hammersmith. It's my very yeah. first Motorhead album I bought. And it's always been my favorite to this day. Well, he, here's some sad news. The new Exodus for Sananan Grata is uh, now being pushed back till November because they want to give drummer Tom Huntington uh, time to recover from his battle right now with Squalus Cell Ceremony, SCC, whatever the fuck that is. I think it's, it's like a type a, of... 
It's a stomach cancer. Yeah. But what I thought was really cool, man, is they did a GoFundMe for Tom Huntington. Because, uh, of Gary course, Holt like most did, musicians, yeah. these people that we love, you know, that we think of, we, you know, we see them as rock stars. And they're not fucking rich, <laughs> you know. And a lot of them don't have health insurance because they don't work what you'd consider a regular job. So, you know, a, a sickness like this can really wipe somebody out. And they raised over, like, 80000 uh, like in in a matter of days, and I think uh, I, I think Kirk Hammond alone did a five thousand dollar donation. I saw people bitch about that. I'm like, really? Okay, he can afford more, but fuck, at least he gave five thousand. What did Sammy Hagar give? Yeah, keep right. going. Man. Right, you know, and, and I kind of I I got to admit, at first I was like kind of the same because I was like, fuck, you know, Kirk Hammond could probably pay for his whole fucking shit. But, you know, hey, man, at least he gave fucking 5000 And Chris Jericho actually gave, I think, 1200 or $1,500. Yeah, so, you know, Fozzie ain't that big. Yeah, yeah, no. But, uh, good, man, for him, yeah. good for him, good for him. I goof on that guy a lot, but, you know, good for yeah. him for, for putting a little money. And he did a great cover of SOS by Abbo. <laughs> I got two good things to say about him. But, uh, no, that was nice to see. Uh, you know the metal community in a whole because I mean I mean look, look at it eighty thousand and you're just seeing what Jericho and uh, and and Kirk did so there's a lot of fans who chipped in and and raised this money for him and I, I think that's incredible just like they did for uh, what's a dude from Violence I know you donated for him I donated for Tom too man oh oh awesome yeah. what what's a dude dude from uh, Violence Sean Killian which yeah. I got a funny story about Sean Killian. Um, he's on Cameo. You know what Cameo is? Yes. Yeah, and it's ten bucks or fifteen bucks or twenty bucks. I can't remember. So I paid him twenty bucks to say happy birthday to Ryan because Ryan, my ex guitar player, is the biggest Violence fan. Dude, right. Ryan would call me just to talk about Violence. That's all he would call me about, like always. Anyway, so I I sent. Sean the money and they sent me the money back saying sorry with no explanation I was like motherfucker right so and I and I did it way ahead of time I did it like two weeks before right because you get the video and then you can show it whenever you want I got this year I got Zetro saying happy birthday to Jackson Routing he's a fucking awesome listener he got me a Zetro doing it but anyway so uh, I never, I got my money back. I never got an explanation. The day before Ryan's birthday, Sean Killian sends me a video saying happy birthday to Ryan. And I'm sorry I didn't have the app on the phone. Did it for free because they gave me, the, I, I maybe Cameo punished, punished them. Hey, you're going to have to do it for free, motherfucker. You know yeah, what I'm saying? No, no that's, that's incredible. <laughs> I don't think that shit's cheap, though, man. I think that shit's expensive. There's a lot of people that are very cheap. Shit, I could go on there. You could go on there, dude. Because, um... Oh, fuck, let's get paid. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, we can get on there because I was looking through it one day, and I came through, like, these people, they're charging 10 bucks. Uh, you know, I'm just going to make them a name, like Carl Sanders, uh, podcaster. That's all it said about him. I'm like, who the fuck's this guy? Podcast shit. I'm a podcaster. <laughs> you know? 
I'll get on a fucking cameo too. Fuck it. Podcasts are charging 10 bucks. And you know, and here's the thing. Oh, and I got to bring this up because, dude, you get to watch little clips. Not little clips, the clips that these stars do for the people that pay. Oh, my God, dude. You see the Tommy Lee one. Dude, that guy charges like four, I don't know, maybe 600 bucks. I know it's it's hundreds to get Tommy. And Tommy does like a 10 second, like, yo, it's Tommy Lee. Happy birthday, yo, yo. And that's it. And he's usually at his pool. It's like, I just paid 400 bucks for 10 seconds of this idiot. Yeah. Now, now Sebastian Bach, who charges hundreds too, dude, that guy does a half hour. Like his cameos, he films himself jogging with his dog, <laughs> saying happy birthday over and over to these people, and then sings them a Skid Row song <laughs> and adds their name in it. But still, it's, wow. yeah, yeah, he really goes out. He does it for a long, dude, Tommy Lee's 10 seconds. The best cameo, though, was Vince Neil. Vince oh, Neil, yeah. That was like, what, 10 seconds and he was And I saw a recent picture of Vince. He ain't been working out, man. But that's awesome. Fuck it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, I'll say this to all you motherfuckers out there that make fun of Vince's weight. That guy's, look at his, look at the chick he's banging now. And look at the way he looks. And then look at the way you look. Yeah. You've been owned by Vince Neal. And you know what? Vince is living the good life, goddammit. He's on like his 25th wife. Yeah. He, 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 fucking, he still gets paid to sing horrible Motley Crue songs. No, he doesn't even <laughs> sing them. Yeah. He had a uh, kickstart. Ha! 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 Big Mac 103. Maha! Maha! Can't come on, my. Come on and dance. Yeah. Whoa, 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 Back then, at least he tried. I mean, he held his breath to do that. Whoa, 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 whoa. Dude, now he's like, dude, he's, no, he's a mess. But he rules. Yeah. I mean, I ain't going to pay to see the guy again. But I I, I, I will love to see this, this stadium tour go on with big fat bits out there. Huffing and puffing through Kingston, my high. You know that, and people sell thousands of dollars to see this shit. Oh boy, and Tommy Lee back there going, "God damn, I wish I was throwing some techno beats into this goddamn shitty rock music." I want to, I want to see Mick Mars die on stage, and then the next day Tommy Thayer's there in corpse paint. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, Mick Mars. You know he's hating it. And t- Nikki Six is like, I'm just doing this shit for the money. And then the guy right in the middle, man, big fat Vince. He loves that shit, man. He's totally Molly Crew. Big Big Mac, one of that shit was Mars. Big Mars comes out and he sits on Phil Collins' lap and plays guitar. <laughs> yeah, how sad is it that Phil Collins has to sit and this fucking corpse is still standing? It's amazing, right? Oh shit! <laughs> oh boy, man! And you know McMars, he's at least at least seventy three to seventy four years older than Phil Collins. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for the news. But before we get into the album review this week, uh, we got to talk about Rock and Pod Four that's coming up this August. Uh, I don't have the dates. Look it up. It's it's the first week of fucking August. 
this shit is going to be fucking amazing. And something else that's amazing is Chris Sinzak. And he has a deal for you fucking awesome people, you Rock and Metal Combat podcast listeners. If you book at the hotel that the event's at, you get free entry into Rock and Pod. You don't have to pay your tickets fee. You know, you just book your hotel and you're there. And, and and let's do it. Let's see the you know the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast family show up, fucking hang out and destroy this fucking place. Yeah. Let's show all these other podcasts. Oh, you think you have a following? No. No. I think we already proved that again. Yeah, yeah. But let's prove it again and let's yeah. prove it even more. Because each year we've had more and more listeners show up, and I want to keep this shit up, man. Let, let's show them who owns this motherfucker. I know Chris Sinzak owns it and copyrighted and everything, but God damn it. Let's show you know who's got the most dedicated fan base. We have to do up. Yeah, you know, Ian, we got to do this because you know there's going to be that rock and pod year where we are going to be overshadowed where the bigger, the biggest podcast with the most followers decides to show up and that is none other than Terrence Ribbing and Friends Visual Audio Podcast. <laughs> and you better not hate it, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can hear his show. You better go to Rock and Pod, you son of a bitch. The boss is back. <laughs> Come and watch me at the Rock and Pod. Because I tell it like it is. Like a minstrel. <laughs> And in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the middle of the night, some beep with a van. Or an SUV. Or a truck. <laughs> I still have that full clip. You know, I, I have the whole thing unedited. That racist rant. That shit was hilarious. I, I do. It's funny. He took that shit down. <laughs> I have it. You knew it was coming down. I was like, oh, I got to get this down. Oh my god, I can't believe he's doing I can't believe YouTube allowed that shit. But it but, goes to show. Yeah. The reason YouTube didn't catch it is because nobody watches Terrence. It's just like floating in cyberspace. <laughs> it's so under the radar that YouTube would never like, you know, ban that because Terrence is like nobody fucking watches Terrence. Except us. And, and- you you might witness the assassination of Ralph and myself. Oh yeah. Who, he he might son Mumblemouth because Mumblemouth lives in Tennessee. Who? Oh really? Oh, all right. We'll be, be the <laughs> We're getting them bitches. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You think about it. We got we got Mumblemouth. We got Ricky Rockman, who's not a big fan of mine. He's gonna be there. Yeah. Uh, there's a few people. Vinnie Vincent will probably want to like. Killers because of uh, dressing up like him. We're doing this for you guys. We're risking our lives. Yeah, exactly. We're the only podcast that needs security. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, and with that being said, we were we were originally going to do a uh, fan episode this week. That will be our next episode because we had some scheduling issues. But this week, I talked around. I'm like, fuck, we got to record. I'm like, let's just pick something and do it. And uh, between the two of us, I think we came up with a great fucking album to talk about. Ralph, take it away. Yes, uh, Led Zeppelin Presence 
We're going to talk about Led Zeppelin's presence. We've done several Zeppelin episodes already, but we haven't attacked every album. There's still two or three more to go. Three. Yeah. We've done every one except Zeppelin 1, Zeppelin 2, and Zeppelin 4. Every other one we've done, and not Coda, because we're never going to do that. Uh, unless somebody donates. But yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, this album, not very, like, you know, when, when I go back to my youth, you know, I wasn't, I've heard Achilles Last Stand and Nobody's Fault on the radio when it was new. I'm very bad at remember what year I bought presents, but it had to be. It had to be one of the last Zeppelin albums I actually physically bought. Uh, I like every Zeppelin album before presents more than presents, but I like presents more than Into the Outdoors. So if that makes any sense. It does. I said that well, right, Ian? Yeah, I get yeah. it. So so uh, I love it. I, I love this album. My brother saw the tour. It was the show that broke all the records at the time. He went to Tampa to see the Presence Tour at some big stadium that, at the time, that was the biggest gathering at a rock concert ever. Broke all records at that time. <clears throat> My brother went to it. Lucky bastard. He saw, he saw Led Zeppelin months before John Bonham died, too, in, in Germany when he was in the Army. So, hails to my bro. Which is pre-opening. And, uh, yeah, man. But but I love the album, and I'll get more into it. Do I love the whole album? No. No, 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 no. Now, there's a song on here that annoys the piss out of me. That I really, I mean, that's just a crunch. As a, as a, <laughs> Zeppelin, as a Zeppelin song annoyed me more than a song on this album. But uh, I'll let you take over, and then we'll talk about the songs. Uh well, I would have to say this was the last one that I got, too. Um, I got big into Zeppelin when I was in high school. Uh, you know, a little bit in junior high, but I really got into them in high school. And that was around the time that Zeppelin box set came out, you know. When 1990. Set, yeah, when box sets were still kind of new. I was 16. I got that, and like a year or two later, uh, the second one came out that uh, had everything that wasn't on the first one. And uh, I think I always put getting this one off because none of these songs were on the radio. Then I really kind of grew, like, you know, my love for this album because it was there wasn't the overkill. And I talked about this before. I went through a period of about 10 years where I didn't listen to Zeppelin at all uh, at home, you know, like putting on the albums and listening to them just because of the overkill of radio you know every classic rock station you know get the lead out at nine o'clock get the lead out at ten o'clock at six o'clock get the lead out it was recorded at a weird time um they were on tour for physical graffiti when robert plant got into his car accident and he recorded his vocals for this album in a wheelchair um because they were supposed to still be on Physical Graffiti uh, Tour, but they were down because of the accident. And Jimmy Page said, fuck this, we're going to use this downtime and we're going we're to do a new album. And Plant was in L.A., he was in Malibu, I'm sorry, in Malibu. And Jimmy Page went out there and they wrote all these songs together. That's why there's only one song on this album that, that has a, a writing credit of all four members. The rest are all Plant and Page. And so 
Page and Plant wrote all these songs and then, you know, sent it to Jones and Bonham. They ended up recording uh, some, in, some in L.A., some in Germany. Uh, but it was done really quick. Like, I think like in 18 days, the whole thing was recorded. And they hadn't done anything that quick since the first album. And uh, I guess Jimmy Page was staying up like, he was working on this show 18 hours a day doing all his overdubs and shit like that. I mean, you listen to any Zeppelin album and, you know, those guitars are more fucking double, triple track than Stephen Piercy's vocals. I, I mean, it's just, <laughs> but he was a master at that, you know? And I, I remember when Page and Plant, you know, did their reunion shit and I'm going to see him and there's, you know, the guitar player from The Cure and other people. I'm like, why do you need all these other guitars? And then, you know, the more I start learning about music, like, oh, God, damn, one guitar player couldn't produce all these sounds at once. Uh, but the production on this album is fucking amazing. But, uh, yeah, it, it was recorded at a dark time, you know, basically because... They're, you know, half the band was separated and, and, and plants in a fucking wheelchair. And they just knocked it out and they they made a conscious effort. Uh, Page of Plant, they wanted to do something heavy, like, uh, you know, more akin to the first album where a lot of the other Zeppelin albums, you know, starting with three, had a whole lot of light and shade with the acoustic numbers, uh, the experimental numbers and shit like that, where this was just more straightforward. It's the only Zeppelin album with no keyboards on it, and there's only one track that has uh, some rhythm tracks that are acoustic. Other than that, it's all electric, and it's pretty much the Page and Plant show. Um, but but I dig it. But but listening to this, it was weird because still I don't listen to Zeppelin a lot so much because it's just part of my DNA. I don't have to go back and listen to it. But doing this, I listened to it about four times since yesterday when we decided that this is what we were going to do. But I listened to it on a lot of different formats. Like uh, one time I listened to it on my laptop. And I listened to it today. I, I went out on a bike ride. And I've got like a Bluetooth speaker that I strapped to my bike. And I'm listening to it that way. And I'm going back and forth on what I think about it. And then right before we recorded it, I listened to it in my living room uh, on, on a, like a really good stereo system. And I was like, holy shit. There's no way better to listen to music on a stereo. There's no way better. Oh, yeah. You know, I got my iPod. I got my car stereo. I got whatever you have. Uh, yeah, my computer. You put on that stereo with that bass pumping. Oh yeah! Come on, man. that's the best way. That's the best way to to digest music. Is oh, stereo. And, and I I totally agree because this last time I listened to it was the best. Uh, you know, on a good on a good stereo system and and hearing you know all the different tracks and the different layers to these songs uh, was amazing. And yes, this is their their worst selling studio album and this motherfucker is still triple platinum <laughs> like I, I i don't i don't think kiss even has a triple platinum album i think the best they uh -oh. ever did was uh oh you're getting caught tards pissed they're probably like yeah <laughs> it's joanne and i i don't know if they are but i'm just saying 
if they are, you know, they get a little worked up. You know, but, you know, but, but, but I, I, you I, don't know your kiss shit. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking about that the other day. I was watching this video online, and they were talking about White Snake, and they were talking about like fucking White Snake '87 sold eight million albums. You know, Kiss Kiss doesn't have any album that sold that no, fucking much. No, no, that's for sure. All right, you, you know, starts, you can't get upset with us on that one. That is yeah. a fact. And it, I, it, it, something you left out, Ian, is that this album also was recorded under pressure because they were recording in Rolling Stone Studio. Yeah. And they had a session coming up, so they had to have it done by the time the Stones were booked to do their album. So yeah, they were kind of rushed. Yeah, the, the Stones were getting ready to record Black and Blue, and I believe Jimmy Page like gave the Stones a bunch of money for two extra days. There you go. Uh, yeah, I, I knew I read something about that. Yeah, yeah. To to, to finish this, and, and, and again, this this thing was fucking recorded. You know, got in the studio and it was done in, in like eighteen days. Crazy. And, and that's for for a band of, of their magnitude at this time, because this is arguably like the height of of, of Zeppelin. I mean, you know, coming after physical graffiti, and you know, right before this, you had. Uh, you know, the release of Song Remains the Same, you know, the soundtrack and the movie. And, uh, you know, and then they released this weird album in the middle of it that, I mean, it sticks out because they were getting more and more progressive and and, and, and mixing stuff up. And then they do this with, with Plant in a Wheelchair and it's a more, it's a heavier album. It's a more back to basics. It's not as experimental as... You know, of course, it's not experimental as physical graffiti, but uh, it, it is what it is, and it's presence, and I love it. Yeah, and it's uh, it's if, if you listen, because I've been noticing that I've been listening to Zom too. There's not that you don't get the vibe of a lot of thoughts going into a song. Like the thought process are kind of low. Like you think of songs like you know, in the light, trampled underfoot. You know, everything like how they kept progressing and bringing in new dynamics. This one, it doesn't sound like they put too much thought into it. They just let it rip. That's the vibe I get from this album compared to other Zeppelin albums. All right, Ian, let's get into this, man. What do you think of the first song, Achilles' Last Dance? Holy fucking shit. Is this, a, you know, this is the epic track of the album. Probably, you know, the most well-known well-respected song of it and the one song that i wish iron maiden never listened to because they made a career out of this yeah no shit the gallop (laughs) and so did so did a lot of other virgin power metal bands um i i I fucking love this but you know at one point I, i think it was like on my probably my third listen when i was on my bike and I'm listening to this, I was like, God, does this go on a little bit too long? You know, like, could this have been cut down? I was like, you know, because already I'm thinking Iron Maiden. And we all know how Iron Maiden should be fucking cut down. I'm like, you know, could they have fucking, you know, cut a couple minutes off of this and still got the same point across? But when I listened to it the last time uh, on my good system, I was like, God, this is just perfection. You know, and you hear, you know, all the different nuances, you know, and, and the different overdubs, the different guitar tracks and everything. Uh, 
and and some people consider this the last like really classic Led Zeppelin song and I find it kind of hard to disagree with that because uh, while there's stuff I do love on uh, In Through the Outdoor I think In the Evening is an amazing track I would say this and one other song on this album could be like their last like yeah that's just everything that Zeppelin embodies and and, and the, the majesty and, and the bar that they set. I mean, fucking incredible. I mean, I remember being pissed off when I got the box set, uh, the, the first Led Zeppelin box set released in 90, and there was a comment about uh, uh, John Paul Jones made. I think it was after Led Zeppelin 3, and he said, after that, nobody compared us to Black Sabbath. And I was like, fuck you, you know, <laughs> you, pomp- you pompous prick. You know, but there is something to be said there. Zeppelin, yes, there is a burnout factor. But goddamn, you listen to this shit. They did. They raised the bar so much. They were fucking just, they were in a league of their fucking own. And do I listen to Sabbath more? Yes. Do I like Sabbath more? Yes. But you have to respect, like, you know, Zeppelin's almost like, the heavy metal Beatles, you know, it's just, they, they took it to another fucking level, you know, it just, in, you know, song structure, musicianship, you know, the, um, the nuances of the recordings and stuff like that, I mean, Zeppelin was just unreachable, uh, and this song has all of it, I, I, I fucking, I love this track, this and one other track that's coming up, are the only two that would make it uh, when they finally could do the Presence Tour. They only played two songs off this album, and both those songs also made it on to the In Through the Outdoor Tour, what, you know, what part of it took place. Um, But just an amazing track and and, and a Zeppelin classic. What do you think, Ralph? Oh, yeah, man. And this whole album, it's really the last Jimmy Page album. You know, and he really put right. a lot of guitar because oh, yeah. it's in the outdoor is really John Paul Jones, you know. Yeah. Because by that time, Jimmy Page was so fucked up on heroin. Couldn't right. really write any songs. But here, he blew his load. The heroin was still working. Um, and this song, is it sets up the vibe of the album, really. For me, Led Zeppelin never sounded as powerful as they do on this album. And this song is the most powerful song on this album, I think. There's, it, it's just that bass, the drumming, you know, what what uh, Paige is doing, and, and Plant, you know, it's it's just an epic, and as long as, what is this, 10 minutes, 9 minutes? Yeah, 10 minutes it's and a, 26 seconds. Yeah, it's a long-ass song, but it doesn't let up, you know, it just right. keeps rolling and rolling, it's just, it's a, it's a very fierce track. And I love it. It's a great opener to the album. And uh, <clears throat> so the next one is called For Your Life. And, you know, this is such a killer riff. And it has this, like, slow groove. When it comes to songs like this, nobody was better throwing down that thunderous pounding, you know, that Bonham does, you know. Would Zeppelin really have had a huge impact without Bonham? Think about it. Not only for his powerful playing, but the structure that Bonham would bring these classic Zeppelin songs 
that I think can't be matched by nobody, period. You know, and what a kick-ass riff on this song, you know? Uh, just the way that, that plant scats his way through it, for most of it, you know? Do you want some co-co-co-cocaine? You know, this song has hooks. And, and it's it's a song written that does, that isn't meant to have hooks. But it's just, it's a genius song that was never played live till the 07 reunion with yeah. Jason Bonham. So this wasn't played live back then. And that version on Celebration Day fucking smokes. Look at the live version with Jason Bonham with Led Zeppelin doing For Your Life. Fucking awesome. You know, that, that just to bring up that, that reunion show, I thought that show started off rocky because you know all Zeppelin reunions were a fucking train wreck. Right. And that one opened with Good Times, Bad Times, and it was powerful, but it just sounded a little off. And I was like, uh-oh. But then they go into this song, I believe. This is the second track. Or maybe the third track. Wherever. When they came into this song, that's when they found the lock. Where that whole show gets very fucking amazing. This, this was the, the fifth song. The fifth song. Okay, so they, so they were rocking a couple songs into it. But man, that song right there, man, that's when they, they locked. And it's just from there, from For Your Life to the end of the fucking concert... It's, it's tight and awesome, and they redeemed themselves from Live Aid and the Atlantic Record Anniversary Show. Right. Those were fucking nightmares, you know? But anyway, all right, what do you think of For Your Life? Well, this is one I, I went back and forth on. Uh, it was never a favorite of mine. And... When, you know, when we said we were going to do this, the first time I listened to it, I was like, ah, it's not so bad. Second time I listened to it, I was like, ah, this is going on a little bit too long. It's it's a little over six minutes. And I was like, eh. And by the last time I listened to it, like, I really, it just, it hit me. And again, I, I can't stress enough how much difference it meant listening to this on a good stereo. Um, real, really good track, and uh, yeah, I was I was surprised because I I think this one would, you know, would lend itself really good to being live, and there's a lot you could do with it, and they did it on Celebration Day. I mean, I mean, sounded fucking fantastic, um, but uh, yeah, I'm by by the time we got ready to do this review, I was sold on this one, and I really really dug it. But then we go into the next one, Royal Orleans, uh, which is named after the Hotel Royal Orleans here in New Orleans. Um, this one, I'd have to say, now is my least favorite track on the album. And this is the one that was had writing credits by all four members. Um, not, I, don't, I don't hate it. But to me, this has B-side written all over it. It doesn't have, uh, you know, this... I mean, it's a short album as it is, but I think they could have came up with something else, and I think this would have been a great B-side. Not a great B-side, but a B-side. Um, I dig it, but it, it's not up to the standards that they, they had set. And there was a song on here that previously was my least favorite that I've really warmed up to. 
but as of now, I would say this is my least favorite on the album. What do you think, Ralph? Well, I fucking love this song. I always get this song confused with Hot Song for Nowhere. Because they're, they're so relative, but they're very different. But they both have them, them, them breaks. And I, I love it. I love the, the groove to this tune. I love it. It's a little hokey. You know, a little ding, ding, ding riff. But I don't know. There's just a killer groove to this song. And But like I said, every time I think of this song, I think of Hot Song for Nowhere. And honestly... I've lived with this album for like four decades now, and I still had to make sure which one was Royal Orleans and Hot to Nowhere. I made a mental <laughs> note that Royal Orleans is the one that goes, dun, 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 and he goes, now, 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 you know? But I love it. I think it's a great tune. Yeah, it's it, it would be a filler, but it's a killer filler to me. I absolutely love it. Now, the next one, uh, you already flipped the album over. Nobody's Fault. Yeah, this is a one that um, was. Um, I think the I think this is the most well known one because I, right. I hear this one more than Achilles Last Stand on the radio. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's awesome. I love it. I love that spacey guitar that starts it with a little flange sound to it. And again, like I was saying earlier about this whole album, there it doesn't sound like there's a lot of thought put into all these songs, including this one. It's like. You know, but but it's still like I mean these guys were geniuses. They were awesome when they weren't even trying, is what I'm trying to say. And this is a great song, um, but I, I love it. What do you think? <clears throat> oh, th this is definitely a standout track to me. Uh, I believe it to be the most well-known song on this one. You definitely hear this. This is one you did hear on the radio. Not still not as much as the other shit, but. Uh, like you said, you know, you find it's like not a lot of thought put into it because it is a bastardized cover. Uh, how they got away with their just their names on the writing credits, I have no idea. Because this was originally done by Blind Willie Jefferson, or excuse me, Blind Willie Johnson. Uh, and there's a lot of there's a lot of Zeppelin haters. That always bitch about them, you know, copying old, you know, blues songs and stuff and making it their own. And they did do that a lot, but they always changed it so much that they made it their own. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. it's like, like Diver I, Down, Van Halen. Oh yeah, it, well, and the same with You Really Got Me by Van Halen. I mean, they just made that their own. But Zeppelin changed it even more. And I went back and I listened to the Blind Willie Johnson song. And, I, I mean, I loved it. And you definitely hear, you know, there, there's some lyrics that are the same. There's some that are different. And you hear the basic song structure. Uh, but, like, and, and, and this song has been covered and bastardized a million times. The most famous versions, though, are the original by Blind Willie Johnson. And then Nina Simone did one in 1969. Then Zeppelin did it in 76. Uh but god damn do I love this song. But this could have been one of like, you know, look at how quick they wrote this album. Look at how quick they did everything. And, you know, I'm sure Paige just showed up like, I love this old blues song. Let, let, let's do this, but we'll do it Zeppelin style. And that's what they did. Um, this song, it, it's, it's perfection. I mean, everything is 
fucking great about this. The, the only time I don't like it is uh, the no quarter shit. But I, I, that no quarter album as a whole, I, I could totally leave. I'm not a big fan of that one. Were, were you, Ralph? No quarter? What is that? Yeah, when it, when it was Plant and Page, when they first got together and they did the oh, no quarter. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I didn't it was all like that. acoustic versions, middle, middle Eastern shit. Yeah, and you got a guy in a hurdy gurdy and all this fucking shit, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah, I love I love the tour after that. Walking the park. Oh tour. yeah, that tour was awesome. They opened yeah. with Wonton song. Yeah, yeah, badass. Yeah, the, the the tour was awesome, and I loved the Walking the Clarksdale tour was awesome too. Well, that's the, the one I'm talking about. The, I never saw that that first one. Didn't come to Florida. I saw the walk in the Clarksdale one. Where, where'd you see? I, I saw that in Tampa. Where'd you see that at? Miami Arena. Oh, okay. You saw and it it's on, it's on YouTube. Somebody filmed it in the audience. Oh, nice. Yeah. Who the fuck? Was that Simon Phillips? That drummer ruled. Whoever played drums on that fucking tour was a monster. Oh, a I, fucking I, monster. I can't remember. I know I know the second guitar player was... Was Porl Thompson from The Cure, and and he did a fucking amazing. He actually he left The Cure to to join Plant and Page, uh, and and did an amazing job. Uh, oh, the band was tight. That shit was awesome. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember. I, I I know I saw the the No Quarter tour I saw in Chicago, the Walking to Clarksdale I saw in Tampa, but uh, but but yeah. O- overall, the the whole No Quarter album that they did for the MTV special and shit. Yeah. It's like, get the fuck out of here. Just play this shit like yeah, I want to hear it. You know, honestly, I never heard it. I saw it. Like, yeah. I remember MTV, like, premiered. Like, it must have been the whole album. If it wasn't, it was enough for me to say, nah, I don't care. Yeah. You know, I'm not care. Yeah. I don't care to hear it. So I don't think I ever heard the actual album, but I saw yeah. the concert or whatever you want to call it, when they were t- playing in different countries, outdoors and shit. Yeah. And sand yeah, dunes and shit like that. Oh, that it was like, eh. that's a, that's all Robert Plant being a pompous fucking bitch. Yeah, but you know what, man? I got I got to give it to Robert Plant because even though I'm not really a fan, I mean, I I bet I go back even further than you do because I don't really like anything after Pictures of Eleven. I'm sure you like, you know, I'm in the mood for Mel, you know, that eighty stuff. Yeah. But but you know what, man? I, I at least he doesn't sell out, man. He keeps no, doing I, weird world music shit. Hey, it's what he wants to do. Fuck it. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'll give him that. He does what he wants to do. Uh, but to me, he's like the Peter Chris of fucking, uh, uh, you know, Zeppelin. <laughs> you know, it's like. Yeah, well, he, he, yeah, well, that he is pompous. Don't get me wrong, but hey, I mean, the guy just doesn't want to do. And you know, I, yeah. respectfully, man, because you got to remember, Robert Plant grew up with John Bonham. I mean, it's a little right. more personal. For him to continue, you know, man, Jimmy Page was ready to get Steven Tyler, you know, yeah. to, to replace him. You know, he just he has this fond respect for Bonham that I think that's the main reason he doesn't want to reunite. Yeah, but but sometimes I, I, you know, I don't, and I hate to say this because I don't know the man, I don't know all this shit, but it's just like, you know, his whole shit like his anti fucking stairway to heaven shit. You know, it's just like shove it up your fucking yeah. ass. Yeah, you know, no, that, he, no, he's a pompous asshole. Stairway to heaven, and I know a lot of people get burnt out on it, man. I never do. See, a lot of people look at Stairway to Heaven like a hot chick that grew a big ass mole on her face. And <laughs> I listen to I listen to Stairway to Heaven where 
that hot chick has no mole on her face. I never get sick of that fucking song. Yeah, and I will no. say this now, and this is against Zeppelin fanatics like me to say this, but to me, the greatest Led Zeppelin song ever is Stairway to Heaven. And I know that's not a popular thing to say if you're a big Zeppelin fan, because it's too obvious. But hey, that's how I feel. No, I, I, I do feel it's a perfect song. I, I may be burned out on it, but I do think it's a perfect song. But I just yeah. remember when I saw him on the No Quarter Tour, and Jimmy just played the intro, and I, I looked around and I saw grown men crying, you know. But that was the power of that song. And, and the way, you know, people wanted to hear it so fucking bad. And then to know that Plant refused to sing it because he thought the lyrics were naff. Yeah. He, that's but, recent, right? Wasn't that recent? He no, I that mean, recently. Yeah, no, he even, he even said it back then, though. Oh, you know, God. back then. Like, oh, I don't relate to the lyrics. I think the lyrics are naff, which is a, you yeah. know, a pop, prissy English way of saying, you know, he thinks they're silly. Who gives a fuck? You know, you know, you know what really the the biggest. The, now you remind me of this. It really pissed me off what Plant did, and it's a classic pro shot Led Zeppelin show. I can't remember where it is. It's the one where the Led Zeppelin is behind them in big letters. Where you know the thing that Kiss said they invented. You, you talk about Nepworth? No, it wasn't Nepworth. It oh. was an indoor arena. It was around. I'd say maybe physical graffiti houses of the holy time oh, around there. Okay. Uh, anyway, there's a part where Zeppelin uh, Plant re introduces a song and he goes, "This next song is not going to be like some stupid song like na 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 in hell." He, he's like goofing on uh, "Living Loving Me." I love that fucking song. Fuck you. Yeah. That yeah. song rules. That song I don't think they've ever played because every time you hear him play "Heartbreaker," it just stops. You know. Right. Living Loving uh, Me rules. I, I think Paige hates that song, too, though. Well, there you go. Well, fuck him, too. And you also got to remember, Robert Plant is not just a pompous dude. He's a, he's always been a dirty, stinking hippie. <laughs> so that's why he's, you know, he's flooring all this world music shit, you know? You know, to, to meditate, you know, to put your thumb and your middle finger together and just sit up and go, home. you know, shit like that. I mean, come on. And he won a Grammy. You know? I mean, come on, man. It's enough suffering for the guy. <laughs> All right, next song. Do I take this one or do you? Candy uh, go ahead and take it. This is a song that annoys the goddamn, always annoyed the piss out of me. And I got to tell you this. This is a song I constantly skip because when I listened to it today, I didn't recognize half of it, like the second half, because I always turn it off. And it doesn't really improve. I don't know, dude. There's just something about this song it just grates on me. And it doesn't sound like it's... Even John Bonham, the great John Bonham, I don't like his playing on this. And, oh, baby, baby. You know, it's like, you know, I know you hate hot dog, and I do because I'm stupid. But this is like hot dog part one, a little more, you know, beefed <laughs> up. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's just a little... It's a different type of 50s shit. It's more Carl Perkins than Elvis Presley, you know what I'm trying to say? And, right. and it's just a little too sporadic. This is where, you know... the that I'm sure Jimmy took a heavy dose of heroin before he re recorded this fucking track. <laughs> it, it, it just sounds, it doesn't sound cohesive. It sounds a little off, too. And I just don't like it. That's where I think it can still rock. It's 
And there's not many. I have to really think about it. You know, I I did say I didn't like trampled underfoot back in the past. It's grown on me. It took me a couple decades, and then like you know, two years after a couple decades, where I'm like, you know, trample underfoot's not bad. But trample underfoot, I will accuse of being a burnout factor song along with Black Dog. Those are the two that really like. Ugh, I don't need to hear these other again. You know. <laughs> But Candy Store Rock and The Crunch are the two. I mean, I'm not counting some of that fucking shit on Coda. The fuck is going on in that album? You know, I mean, there's some, there's great stuff on there. We're going to groove. Wearing and Terran's awesome. The rest is just, what the fuck's going on here, you know? And this sounds like something that would have fit perfectly on Coda. That's what I think of Candy Store Rock. Well, I, I definitely get that. And who knows? Maybe someday I'll like In the Light. You never know. <laughs> oh, that song is so good, dude. But this one, this used to be the one that was my least favorite. And I totally get the whole hot dog thing. Uh, and the funny thing is, Robert Plant says, this is the song that saves this album. <laughs> <laughs> that dirty hippie. Yeah. He said, this is, the, this is the saving grace to presence. And I'm like, oh, what? And, and what, what's even weirder, and maybe this has a lot to do with why this album only went triple platinum, um, unlike uh, the elder that went cubic zirconia. Um, uh, this was the only single off this album. Wow. This, I don't remember hearing this in the radio. Yeah, you don't, you, you don't because it didn't even chart. Oh. This was this was the only single off the album backed with Royal Orleans. Uh, my two least favorite songs on the album. This is no, what no, was no. this is what was released to to represent it. But initially this was one that really like just got on my nerves like this is some hot dog fucking Elvis Presley fucking bullshit. But I got to say on repeated listens this one kind of grew on me. It is, it's still far, far from my favorite by any means. I mean, this, this and Royal Orleans are still my two least favorite on the album. Uh, but it did grow on me. Well, uh, I, I, I highly recommend some ointment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, uh... Uh, some compound W on this shit. Maybe it'll go away. <laughs> yeah. But uh, never never performed live, uh, except Jimmy Page played the riff at one concert in 1977. And, and, and that was it. And then they played a little one-minute uh, improvisation of it at a Page and Plant show in the middle of Black Dog in 95. But... Uh, yeah, uh, not a great song, but I will say it did grow on me. But goddamn, I, I mean, if you're picking a single from this album, you know, and you pick this one, I mean, I mean it just it, it really boggles my mind. Because to me, I mean, I understand that there's a couple of really long songs on this album that don't lend themselves to a single. But to me, nobody's fault but mine would have been the perfect if you're going to release a radio track for this album. Yeah, uh, I think that would have been the logical choice, but no, it was this. 
this one, but it didn't, it didn't even chart. And uh, that was rare because Zeppelin was at their height. But, uh, you know, think about it. You're talking 1976 and you're going up against the Bee Gees and Elton John and, 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 and you release fucking Candy Store Rock and wonder why it doesn't fucking hit. You know, come on. I mean, I, I don't know who... I don't know if the band decided this or the record label or what, but to me, what a what a piss poor choice for the for the lone single. I'm feeling a guy in a wheelchair <laughs> for the single. Yeah, a hippie in a wheelchair. Yeah, smelly hippie in a wheelchair. Yeah. This single. Yeah, I, I, I think he was glad when John Bonham died, actually, so he could know so. Yeah, enough of this nonsense. This yeah. good music nonsense. Yeah, I need to I go would... explore the world. I need to go to Guam and record yeah. a Guam music album. Yeah. When's this band going to stop so I can join the Honey Drippers? <laughs> <laughs> I like it, too. I like the Honey Drippers. I'm supposed to. Uh, I don't know that shit. I don't know. It's an EP, you know? It's not even an album. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God it's an EP. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody yeah. wants to listen to a whole album of that shit. Uh-huh. But then we go from there on to Hot Sun for Nowhere. And this is one that I always kind of, I, I always liked this song, but it was always kind of in the in the background. And then I saw this amazing documentary called uh, Dogtown and the Z-Boys. Oh, yeah, I, I own that, dude. The skateboard movie. Yeah, great documentary about uh you know the skateboarding scene in the late 70s in southern california and there's a scene in there where they where they show the kids you know like starting to skate in empty pools and stuff like that and they played this song and from that moment on this song took on like a whole went to a whole new level because i was just like oh fuck i love that song and ever since then i was like wow this is a hidden gem in their fucking discography. And I really love it. And I think this would have worked good as a fucking single, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's catchy. Oh, catchy as fucking shit. I mean, who knows what the fucking title... I mean, why do they call it Hot Sun for Nowhere? I have no idea. Couldn't find anything on the internet that said why they called it that. They don't say it in the fucking song. But I love this track. You want to talk about, uh, you know, a deep cut and and uh, this is one that should be on the radio. But maybe I'm thankful it wasn't because I'm I'm not, you know, uh, there's no overkill factor. But I think it is a fucking hidden gem in uh, the Zeppelin discography. Love Hot Sun for Nowhere. Na 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 yeah. Na 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 baby. That's, that's the catchy part right there, man. Oh, that, fuck that's yeah. That's the hook right there in that song. Yeah, I love yeah. it. It's, it's uh, Like I said, I always get this confused with, uh, with Royal Orleans because of the little breaks and it's the short songs on the album. Right. But I love it. I love that. Backbone, Wasted, and he does all that shit. And again, that, that pocket. And John Bonham's playing on this song and that thunderous pumping beat like when the the band is going, man. God damn, that's infectious. And it wouldn't work without Bonham. I'm telling you, man. Listening to this album today, I was like, without Bonham, Zeppelin would not be as great as they are. Even yeah. with those great fucking songs. If you don't have John Bonham, 
playing those songs. I don't care. You could get cozy or whatever. They're not going to come up with those structures. This guy was a fucking genius. He made, he, he like, this This song is a great example. Like, Hot Top for Nowhere, like, uh, is a song. He's playing a fucking song along with that song. Kind of like what Ace does in his guitar solos. What's a song within a song. This one is a song within a song from the beginning to the end. It's awesome. I absolutely love it. And, uh, that goes to the last track, uh, T for One. And, dude, the opening riff is very misleading on this song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it does not sound like it's going to be a bluesy track that goes on for over nine minutes. You know? And it's like a beefed-up version of Since I've Been Loving You. Even some of the, yep. even some of the lyrics uh, resemble, you know, like I've been working from 7 to 11. I don't know. He does something in T for One that kind of resembles that. And, uh, you know, these multi-millionaires know how to play blues without sounding contrived, like many bands did in the 80s. Zeppelin, right off the bat, was playing blues tracks on their first album. Sure, there were ripped off blue tunes, but blue tracks nonetheless. Uh, And Plant, I think, sells it with his haunting delivery on the song and pages pouring. Dude, it's like he's pouring his soul in this fucking solo where... It's like a soul that's riddled with heroin. You know, you can you can feel the pain and the sadness too in the oh, little yeah. riffs that he does. T for one is a masterpiece. Though, when I was a kid, I didn't know better. I was like, ah, blues, nine minutes, get away. Now it's like, you know, I'm older and wiser and I know what vagina smells like. See, Andrew Jacobs and Terrence would hate the song. But once yeah. you fucking, this song is just amazing and what an amazing way to end it to such a vicious fiery album to something that slowed down but yet as powerful you know as as the heaviness of the other song love it t for one's fucking awesome what do you think uh yeah this is one that's definitely grown on me um uh, i used to think back in the day i was like it, it, it's a lesser since i've been loving you but, well, since I was loving you, I will say is a much better song though, because um, I think—I mean, I'm just talking for myself. But yeah. uh, I, nothing to take away T for one. But since I've been loving you, is what a fucking song that is. That song oh, yeah. is amazing. But, oh, and, and I agree with you a thousand percent. But like I said, I always used to think this was a lesser version. But as I listen to it today, I think it stands on its own. And, you know, you, you talk about the power of this song and Plant selling it. And what this was about, um, lyrically from him, was him writing about, you know, being in Malibu, stuck in a wheelchair, away from his wife and children, uh, you know, and just the loneliness. And he was, you know, it's funny because this album, aside from Royal Orleans, was all him and Plant. I mean, him and Paige. Um, but he was he was kind of getting resentful at Paige because he's like, we shouldn't be recording right now. I'm all fucked up, you know, all doing this. And he felt like, you know, Paige was pushing him to do this shit. And he's like, I'm in a fucking wheelchair. I'm away from my family, you know, blah, blah, blah. What was me? And he kind of channeled all that into this song. And you can feel it not only through his delivery, but, you know, Paige also, this is when heroin works well, uh, much like, you know, K-1 
Keith Richards in the late 60s, early 70s. You know, this is like when heroin does work. And the guitar work on this is amazing. Uh, Plant's delivery is amazing. And, and like you said, what a way to end this fucking album. Um, but I totally look at this song in, in a whole new light now. And, and, and I have much more respect for it than I did. I used to think of it as like, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a cast off. It's, you know, since I've been loving you part two, uh, I looked at it like, you, you know, you look at Unforgiven two. And even I remember it being on, you know, it was on the second uh, Led Zeppelin box set, you know, which at first I was like, yeah, these are the throwaways. But, you know, would later discover, you know, there's great gems on that one too. But uh, I, I couldn't hear this one enough. And this was the song out of all of them on repeated listens. I looked forward to this one the most. You know, yeah, I know Achilles Last Stand like the back of my hand. I know Nobody's Fault like the back of my hand. Hot's on for, for nowhere, I know, like the back of my hand. But this one, it, it was like, it's just some new pussy, you know? It was like, oh, God. And it, it just felt so good. It sounded so good, and uh, people should really go back and, 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 you know, give some respect to this one and listen to it. It's uh, it's incredible, and, and like I've always said, what a way, you know, the best way to end an album is leave them wanting more, and that's what this did. I mean, it's a very short album, especially coming after Physical Graffiti, which is a double album. This is a single album with uh, seven songs, uh, 44 minutes, you know, uh, and and I like to, you know, I, I read a couple of reviews, and uh, they mixed the reviews, like some of them were when the album came out, and some of them are, you know, s- s- some, you know, modern reviews going back to this album, and uh, what I thought that was neat is both in old and new reviews, people, whether they love the album or not, they said, none of these songs sounded like they would come from another album you know like presence had a sound of its own and an aura of its own and i agree with that it is like the red-headed stepchild it is uh and not an embar- you know a lot of people look at fucking in through the outdoor like that like oh that, that's the fucking keyboard album you know but presence does have a sound of its own and it's amazing that God damn, what what a way to fucking end it. And uh, this one, I think, I don't know if they ever played this one live. I don't, was this played at, at, uh... I believe somebody did it solo-wise. Uh, uh Planner page, I, I believe it was played in one of their solo bands. I yeah, think, yes. Oh, I think so. Some, somebody did this? Yeah, I, I don't know if it was a plant page. Yeah, okay, here we go. T for One was performed uh, on the Plant Page Tour in 96 in Japan. And the shows they did in Japan, they were backed by an orchestra. So they did this with an orchestra. Wow, I'd love to hear that, man. Yeah, yeah. Who, who knows? It might be up on YouTube. I might have to look that up after the show. I love but, uh, like the angriness and the beautifulness of the solo. Because... Yeah. He starts hitting those power chords where he's just grinding like, and then going to this really soft beat, you know. It's just, it's it's a really 
human organic natured album. This this would be like you know the Zeppelin equivalent to a Black Sabbath seventies album because it's just so raw and you know full of emotion. So yeah, you know, love it. And, and if I if I had to compare this to a Sabbath album, and it kind of works out around the same time, this would almost be like their technical ecstasy. Right. It's it, you know it's different and it's not as appreciated, but it's awesome for what it is. Yeah. You know, and and I think hindsight's twenty twenty, and I think maybe you know some of our listeners who have overlooked this album or haven't checked it out, man, check it out again. And I can't stress enough either listen to it with some really good headphones or on a really great stereo system uh, to really appreciate the nuances of this and uh you know funny thing robert plant that dirty fucking hippie he <laughs> wanted to call he wanted to call the album thanksgiving because For real? yeah because they finished it right before thanksgiving and and the rest of the band was like no no yeah right and something it, very important we overlooked on this album is very important is the the album cover. The, what is that oh, yeah. called? That object? The oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I, I was getting to that. Okay, because uh, I, I have something to say about it as well. But keep going. But yeah, they, they got the guy uh, hypnosis or whatever the, the fucking guy's name is. The guy did a lot of Pink Floyd album covers. Yeah. Uh, he, he, the concept he came up with, I thought was great, uh, because he said it was like Led Zeppelin just has this presence. Like you don't even need them on the album cover; they are such a force, and and that's why he kind of like focused. Like Led Zeppelin is that l little obelisk, almost like two thousand and one, that the rest of the people are staring at, you know. And that's how they came up with the name Presence, because they said when they got together, there was just this presence, this force, when the four of them would record, uh, that was undeniable. And they came up with that title, and, and, then, and then he used that for the, for the artwork for the album. And I think it's great, because it's so weird, so abstract, you know. And, and Zeppelin did have some different album covers, you know, were, were very weird and very unique. You know, uh, Rock and Ron much prefers House of the Holy. I, I don't know why, but uh, ouch. But I, 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 think, I, I gotta say, what's it called again? Oslak? What is it? The the. Uh, well, well, uh, in two thousand one, they called the Oblisk, but uh, okay. Well, uh, but, well, anyway, the Oblisk. Here's what I got out of it because, unfortunately, Ian. You did not see the religious program on heavy metal when I was a kid. And oh, they, yeah? Oh, man. This is how they described the album cover, which really makes this hypnosis guy sound like a pussy. Because these guys know what's up. These religious people said that, that, um, and by the way, this was a religious show with an audience. Yeah. So when they were showing the, the little black object, they're saying, this is to summon the devil. Here we are. And then they started flashing on the screen the different pictures. And they showed the album cover with the family. And everybody's like, Ugh. And then they show the baby with the doctor holding it. And then a teacher holding it with their with the hand on the student's head. Oh, my God. It was the best show ever, man. I wish I would have still had it. So until right now, Ian, with you talking about 
hypnosis. I always thought it was to summon the devil. I'm still going to believe those Bible thumpers, man. They're awesome. They should well, make movies. Karen said it looks like a black dick that showed up in the middle of the night. And, and in stole a van. <laughs> in big, an SUV. I don't know, a truck. <laughs> a big black veiny cock inside a van. Stole boats. Oh, God. Well, that is Presence. It was um, released March 31st, 1976. Produced by Jimmy Page. And, uh, yeah, their least selling album at 3 million copies. What are you going to do? These poor, This poor band. Yeah. I, I, they might forget about them. Uh, an amazing one. And, again... Uh, if nothing else, you know, like I said, it doesn't suffer the the overkill that a lot of the other albums do. I mean, yeah, you can listen to Physical Graffiti because a lot of those songs don't get played on the radio as well. You know, you get overkill with Cashmere, and and really that's about it from that one radio wise. Uh, but uh, an, an important chapter, and and if you know the history of this album, and you know how quickly it was written and recorded you know and, and you put that into perspective I, I think it adds a whole new um, you know element to to this album and Jimmy Page says his favorite Led Zeppelin song of all time is Achilles Last Stand wow yeah so so there you go you gonna argue with Jimmy Page nope <laughs> he did killer heroin when he wrote that and played that song Hell yeah. And he's still alive. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at that same time, he was worshiping Satan. And yeah. And then he's fucking uh, Ted Nugent's ex because uh, she turned 14 and Ted broke up with her, said she was old. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, who, knew, uh, who knew Jimmy Page had morals? Yeah. Well, after all that, uh, I think it's time to go into Fan of the Week. What do you think? Right on, man. Who's our Fan of the Week? All right. Well, our Fan of the Week, I'm going to have to give it to Jonathan Disney from Puerto Rico. Yeah. And uh, I think it's so awesome. Not only is he a longtime listener and fan, but, uh, you know, for him to send me that, you know... um, that review that he left and let me know because there's so much shit and I wish we could I wish there was a way I could find out to read you know other reviews from other countries because we have listeners all over the world and I love that I mean that means so much to me I, I, I love our American fans and that's where we're from and everything but to know that our sense of humor and all you know the, the shit we say that shit goes across the world, and I, I see it because, uh, you know, I have the, uh, the the Podbean thing, and I can see we have listeners all over the fucking globe, and you know that, and that is amazing. I, I really do. Uh, I, I can't appreciate that enough. That what we do reaches not only people who grew up with the same shit we did. But people from all other backgrounds still love our fucking mama jokes. And, you know, they're like, yeah, I fucked Andrew Jacobs' wife, too. You know? <laughs> and uh, I, I can relate. Sucks. 
Yeah, exactly. I can relate yeah. to that joke because I banged yeah, it I got a, I got a ward on my dick too, you know? And, uh, no, that's awesome. But I, I want to thank him for, you know, not only reaching out and, and to let all the other listeners know, you know, if you're from another country and, uh, you know, you left a review and we can't see it, send it to me on Facebook, man, and I will read it. And uh, I love that this shit is worldwide. I would love for us one day to go to another country and, and to meet fans of the show and listeners. Like, I would love for us to go to Australia. We have a, we have so many Australian fans, and we do really good there. I would love love to just travel the country. But uh, one of us got to win the lottery for that shit, or, or we're going to have to start charging for this podcast. <laughs> Man, how many pills do I have to take for that flight? You know, I, don't, I don't know. How long is that flight, man? You know I'm not just sitting there sober. Fucking yeah. pop some pills. Yeah, Australia, I, I think that's like two days. Really? Fuck that, man. I gotta take a bottle yeah. of pills. Yeah, it's like two days, and then when you land there, it's still like 1989. <laughs> I don't know. It's fucked up. It's weird. <laughs> All right, well, now it's time to go into pick of the week. Ralph, you got a pick of the week? Oh, give me a second here. Go All ahead. Right. You have one? Yeah, I got one. Uh, this is a band that I was told about a couple years ago. Uh, good buddy of mine from New Orleans here, uh, uh, Brent Bond, told me. He goes, man, you got to check out this band. I think we were outside a Slayer show. And it's a band I'd heard of, but I was like, eh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. Gorgia, 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 Gorgia. Okay. Yeah. Somebody so, paid me to do a track by track by them. I, I couldn't get into it. Some songs were okay. Really? All right. Well, I just I just got their new album. Uh, I believe it's called Fortitude. And I was like, you know what? Uh, let me check these guys out. And uh, I'm gonna be honest here. I only heard the first song because I was busy studying for this review. But I loved it. I was like, holy shit. It was heavy. Uh, it was experimental. Uh, you know, dare I say progressive. Uh, and it was kind of like how he described it to me. He's like, you need to check these guys out. He goes, you know, it's new shit, but it's not like fucking, you know, new metal. And it's, uh, and they were really good. And uh, I got to tell you, this song I heard, I really dug it, and I'm looking forward to tomorrow. I'm going to check out the rest of the album. But uh, right now, my pick of the week, just based on the first song I heard, I was I was sold. Gogia. Gogia. I think it's Gogia. Gogia. Yeah, they're they're French, so that's one mark against them. But I really like the song. Uh, So that is my. Their other albums are just like what you described, though. It's heavy, it's aggressive. I, you know, I can't remember both. I know one album had a whale on it. And, you know, I had to go track by track on these things. And, yeah, I found, like, you know, a couple, two, three good songs on both albums. That, right. I, you know, that I, well, I could digest a little more. Still wouldn't be something I'd run out and buy, but I was like, all right, that ain't bad, you know. So, yeah, but, all right, Gorgia. All right, I got a pick of the week that's not music. It's something I saw a couple days ago. That was amazing. It was uh, a documentary on Rowdy Roddy Piper on A and E. I think it was. Oh, they, just, nice. they just released a new documentary out, 
And my God, dude, it's like I have the DVD that the wrestling and the WWE put out with a documentary. Hey, that ain't shit. You gotta see this documentary. And it has everybody in it. Mr. T talking now, and you know Hulk, and it's there. I don't want to give it away, but everybody's. Neat. I mean, even if you don't like Roddy Piper, this is such a great story of what this guy went through and how he died. It's so sad, and the voicemail that Hulk Hogan gets uh, after Roddy Popular dies is eerie as fuck, and I don't want to give away what it says on that voicemail, but you need to hear it to believe. Oh. It's amazing. And it's heart-wrenching, too, at the same time. But, my, man... My, my favorite uh, wrestler of all time. Yeah, mine, too, man. And the way that this, they really did like highlight how he was extremely responsible for WWF taking off. You oh, know, yeah. You know, Hulk Hogan, yeah, yeah, it wasn't him. It was both of them because nobody hated Roddy more than, nobody hated anybody in wrestling more than Roddy. Roddy was a cocky, he wasn't that way in real life, but boy, did he sell it. He sold it. And that fucker's been stabbed multiple times. That's how much people hated him, you know? I, I, I saw a really cool, it's funny you say this, I just watched the other day, uh, an appearance he did on Howard Stern in 2002, and he was asking him why he left, uh, you know, WWF the first time, and he said it's because he did the movie They Live with John Carpenter. Oh yeah, yeah. They they talk John, about that. Yeah. Yeah, John Carpenter offered him They Live, and he he told Vince McMahon he goes, yeah, I'm gonna do this, and Vince McMahon's like, no. I'm, I'm going to have a movie for you next week. Don't worry about it. He goes, yeah, but it's not going to be directed by John Carpenter. Yeah, right? <laughs> you know, I'm going to... would have been No Hole Bar too. Remember that yeah. one? It, 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 yeah, no, and that, that's the funny thing is is after uh, Roddy did that, then Vince McMahon did No Holds Barred with Hulk Hogan and Tiny Lester and all that shit, you know, which was a horrible fucking movie. It was hilarious. And was he so took funny. off and he did They Live, which was fucking awesome. But uh oh, that movie rules! Oh yeah, and my you favorite wrestler. Not the high face, something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, but you real fucking ugly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta love they live. I got that shit on Blu-ray. I'm gonna uh, watch that shit tonight, man. It's been a while, but yeah, uh, that document. Yeah, it talks all about that. How you know uh, he kind of got shut out of wrestling for going to Hollywood. And his whole family's interviewed, and it's just everybody's interviewed. Hulk Hogan, you know, you know, it's the best. And I'll give this away. You know how the intro is? Is the intro is Vince McMahon sitting down, and his phone rings, his cell phone. He says, "Hello." He's like, "Oh, hi, Roddy." Oh, really? Oh, really? And then he hangs up. He goes, "Yeah, that was Roddy Piper. He just called, said he's in hell, and he has a special seat for me." <laughs> and I'm thinking that would be like Roddy. You know what I mean? And then I was also thinking, was he pretending? <laughs> you know, that probably was Roddy calling from the dead. I highly recommend that document. I think it was on AAE. Look it up. You know, it's fucking so well done. I absolutely love it. And it gives, you know, praise to a man that deserves, you know, to be praised, man. He is, to me, he's the best. He was the best at the oh. mouth. Nobody better. Piper's Pit. Remember when he cut. The Haiti kid's hair to make him to make him look like Mr. T. 
<laughs> so you like Mr. T, huh? And he got Cowboy Bob Orton to hold him down while he cut his hair into a mohawk. <laughs> a, little, a little midget wrestler. That was some funny shit, man. His little leg going back and forth like, he's, Oh, you want to look like Mr. T? <laughs> Why don't we make me look like Mr. T? <laughs> <laughs> he would do it like you could see so hyper and he's like tense and shit. Nobody was better than him. And you know what? And I, I also got to give away the most popular thing Roddy Piper ever did was the coconut and Jimmy Snooker. You know that. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, in the documentary, I'll give this away. They had a gag poke coconut to hit <laughs> over his head. And Roddy picked the wrong one. Oh, <laughs> he, actually, <laughs> he actually hit him with a with the non-gag coconut. And it's you man, that shit was brutal. I mean brutal. <laughs> I remember when that that first happened, I was like, I'm in love with this man. I loved him because everybody hated him so much. I was like, he's the best. Rest in peace, Roddy Piper, man. Hell yeah, hot rod. A rowdy one. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for checking out this show. We're going to be back next week. It will be a fan episode, um, and and we're going to have an opportunity for more fan episodes coming up in the next couple uh, weeks. Uh, so come back next week to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. What I'm doing out of the kindness of my heart, I have a gentleman here named Frank Williams. Frank Williams, first of all, I don't know where you come from. I'm from Columbus, Ohio. From Columbus, Ohio. I've wrestled in Columbus, Ohio. I've never lost a match in Columbus, Ohio. Have you ever lost a match? Yeah. You have. See, it's, it seems odd to me when you're talking about fighting careers and a career like my, myself, uh, I, I went on the premise of never having to lose a match. I've never lost a match in my whole career. I've had different things happen to me, but I have never actually lost a match because I figured once you were defeated one time that it would take that oomph away from you that you needed. Yourself, you're just the opposite. I have never seen you win a match in my whole career of watching you, and I've seen you been around. You've fought some tremendous fighters. I've seen what you've done, but you, you lack the guts. You lack the authority to go in there. You lack the guts, and when you're against the ropes, what you do is instead of going after a man, you just back off from him, maybe a little cowardism, maybe what you do, maybe you should be making pizzas. I'm not a coward of nobody, I'm not afraid of nobody, otherwise I won't wait be Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, just relax, relax. This is, this is verbal, this is not physical. Pizzas or something like that, maybe... I said, I'm not afraid of nobody, I'm always inside ring, no matter what. I got no room for nobody. You got no room for nobody. That's a wonderful thing. You got no room for nobody, but you're a lousy wrestler. It's as simple as that. Man. I might be a lousy wrestler, but I'm still in there. I'm not afraid of nobody. Piper hammering away. Oh, no. Piper all over Frank Williams. Puck. Unbelievable. It's simple as this. Oh. Oh, no. Oh. That's incredible. Oh. They think they got the answers, I changed the questions. <laughs>